Conversations with today's newsmakers from Michiana's Morning News. 61 right now it's 807 the attorney general for the state of indiana curtis hills on the news line this morning my friend good morning how are you i'm good how are you mark i'm doing fine everything everything good in indy well i i, I don't know i'd say that <laughs> I, think things are better. I, I like things in northern indiana a little bit better than indy but i think uh, things, things are well in indiana i'll put it that way good let's uh, let's talk about the the big story here in northern indiana and that's this uh, this women's clinic this abortion clinic that uh is just it's been in the news uh off and on uh, tell us your your take on it we know that uh, you filed an, an appeal what did you hear what did your office see uh, you know, ahead of the, filing the, the appeal and, and kind of what's going on with that? Well, we filed the appeal because the federal court uh, uh, issued an injunction that would allow this uh, a, a new abortion clinic to open up. And it's, and it's uh, we found it unusual because this is not about a new regulation designed to stifle abortion clinics around the state. This is a, uh, this is a basic licensing requirement that uh, allows the, the uh, State Department of Health uh, to uh, to regulate to basically uh, do background checks to uh, understand if this if, if a company has a reputable uh, history uh, and also the licensing procedure allows the State Department of Health to go in at other points to do inspections to ensure that the clinics are doing what they're supposed to do uh, pursuant to Indiana regulations again regulations that are designed to ensure uh, safety. Uh, for the benefit of uh, the, uh, the participants and others uh, that, are, that are going into uh, these clinics. So to allow for a clinic to disregard the state's licensing procedure and simply open, is uh, that's a, that goes beyond uh, what Indiana law contemplates. And so when that ruling came out on Friday, uh, we went to work immediately to appeal that decision because we believe that the law is quite clear. The, uh, the state is allowed to provide uh, a regulatory authority over the, uh, the procedures of abortion uh, in order to protect and ensure the health of those involved. And I would assume that your office would have done the same thing for any medical clinic had, had they been granted the right to open without a license. I mean, it's just, at the end of the day, Curtis, it becomes a safety issue, right? It's only a safety issue. I mean, this is, this is you know, sometimes this happens where, where people say, oh, it's, it's, it's about abortion, abortion, abortion. No, we, any type of medical procedure or process, or don't even limit it to uh, the medical field or health field. I mean, we have licensing procedures across many areas because the idea is regulatory authority to protect and benefit the health of our citizens. In this particular instance, uh, as you pointed out, it wouldn't have to be a clinic uh, that does abortions. We have licensing procedures for dental offices, for, uh, uh, for ophthalmologists. I mean, everyone has to have some basic um, regulatory authority through licensing in order to make sure that we're, we're offering safe services. It's, it's very basic. And in this, in this particular instance, uh, the clinic refused to cooperate with the State Board of Health, and the federal court steps in and says, well, you don't have to. You can just open up. Well, where's the safety protocols if that is allowed to stand? Chatting with Attorney General Curtis Hill. So what's next? Where does it stand now, and, and what's the next step? 
Well, uh, Friday they issued the uh, court issued the order, uh, an injunction which would have the impact of allowing this uh, clinic to open up uh, without a license and therefore no regulatory authority by the state of Indiana. So we uh, we put our appeal on file Sunday, actually. We, uh, we got the appeal done on Sunday, uh, put it on file, and we requested a stay. I would anticipate that the court will make a decision within the next few weeks on our request for a stay. And by a stay, what we're saying is uh, we want that order to be uh, abated until we have an opportunity to fully vet this process through the appeals courts and, and get a decision on the merits. If the district court denies our motion for stay, we'll take that up with the Seventh Circuit uh, Court of Appeals and on up to the Supreme Court if necessary. Attorney General Curtis Hill on the news line this morning. Let's talk about uh, other uh, other news you're making. Let's talk about the robocalls. That's a uh, that's a real problem, and you're uh, you know uh, looking out for especially the elderly in this case, right? Well, absolutely. Uh, the, the robocalling impact on the elderly uh, is uh, profound. Uh, lots of older folks just uh, have to answer the phone, and it's it's uh, it's so. Um, it's so unfortunate for many of them because they just don't always see how many scams are out there, and and it's getting worse and worse and worse uh, with the technology that we have today. Uh, it is so easy for people to get access to uh, individuals' phones, call them. Um, we do have a do not call system that was very effective uh, some 15, 20 years ago, a lot less effective today, uh, but still effective to some degree. And, and how that is, is for companies that are legitimately uh, legitimate marketing companies that follow the law, they respect the do not call list. That's not the problem. The problem is we have so many scammers and schemers that are taking advantage of people that they don't care what the law is because the law in its current form can't reach them. These are calls that are being made out of state, overseas, where we can't put our hands on the culprits. And so they're able to do all sorts of things with impunity. We've been working with the FTC and the FCC to try to come up with uh, mechanisms to be able to combat this more effectively. Um, and in the meantime, we're just seeing uh, a, a number of people being abused. And as you pointed out, Mark, it, it is particularly onerous on our elderly citizens who are sometimes uh, built out of their savings um, uh, that have been worth a lifetime. You know, it's crazy, Curtis. My mother is 79, uh, and she is, I mean, she's healthy, she's with it, she's sharp, but she calls me all the time and tells me about phone calls that she receives, and it's almost incredible to me, uh, and I'll use the word smart, it's not smart, but how smart these scammers are, and you're right, the, the techniques and, and the, the lengths they go to to even dupe somebody like my mother, who is very sharp, very with it, very aware. And I always think when I talk to her, and she doesn't fall for the scams, I think about, as you just mentioned, the people that do. And it's, I mean, it's not their fault, because these scammers are just, they're relentless. They're relentless, and, and, and who would think somebody would call you and, and fake you out like that. You know, I've told people that the best and most effective way to address these calls is to not answer. If you don't know the number, if you don't recognize the, the, the number, simply don't answer the phone. I've told that to some older folks, but here's what happens. These are folks who have been answering the phone almost since the phone was invented, if you go back far enough. I mean, it was, you know, it, it, in the old days, you get a phone call and it was a friend, it was a family member, it was somebody who you wanted 
to call you. Well, it's not that easy for those habits to break. So I've actually been in my, my own mother's house. She's 91 years old, and she was talking about how these people call. And I said, well, Mom, just don't answer the phone. Yeah. Phone rings. Yeah. She's got to answer that phone because that's what she's always done. Yeah. It's just so hard for them. And, and unfortunately, that's where the engagement comes into play. These things are worked out. These people know if somebody answers the phone, that means something. They jot that down and they make a note. If someone engages in a conversation with a caller, they write it down. They make a note. If someone goes on to the call for 30 seconds, a minute, five minutes, those are all pieces of information that these scammers want to know about because they they pass this information along to the next person. It's, it's It's a major system. And the best way to defeat it right now is to show discipline where we can and not answering calls that we don't know where they're coming from. Yeah, but you're right. If it's, that, some, if it's somebody, if, if it's somebody important enough, they'll call back. Yeah, or leave a message. You're right, though. It's that generation. My mom. I said the same thing to her. She's like, "Well, what? You know, what if it's an emergency? I mean, you're right. They just they can't they can't do that. I'm like you. If it's not in my phone, if you're not in my phone, I'm not answering the phone and and leave me a message and I'll call you back. And if not, then it wasn't important. That's right. And and what I have found using that myself, you'll get a lot less calls. The calls will spike. The more times you answer these errant calls, these calls that uh, are scam calls, the more times you answer, the more calls you'll get. There is some type of algorithm or system that's put in place somewhere that is being pushed along. You don't answer that call, the number of calls that you get will start to reduce. Jenny with Attorney General Curtis Hill. What else is on the agenda for the uh, for the summer as you look ahead? Uh, we've got a busy summer. I mean, we've, we've been uh, doing working on law enforcement uh, uh, measures. We've been doing uh, gearing up for drug takebacks, which have been very successful. Uh, we have a mobile office that's going all over the state, uh, working with citizens and, and uh, uh, pharmacies uh, and uh, local police to try to get as many drugs out of cabinets that could be diverted for ill for ill purposes and to us so that we can have those destroyed that's been very successful we're continuing that process uh and we're continuing the process of traveling around the state and letting people know the various things that we're doing in the ag's office not just the issues of pro-life um but also the issues of public safety uh consumer protection and and the things that they need to know about uh, as they go about their daily lives. Attorney General Curtis Hill, always good to hear your voice. I know you're swamped. I'm swamped. Let's uh, let's make it not uh, six or seven months before we talk again, okay? Anytime, Marcus. Give us a call. Let us know. I appreciate it. Have safe travels. Have a good weekend. Thank you. Take care. Thank yourself. you so much. Michiana's Morning News with Mark McGill. Weekdays from 5 to 9 on 95.3 Michiana's News Channel. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.